Welcome to the Lantau Base Camp podcast. In this podcast, we aim to bring you up to date with recent developments in the world of trail running, new products that have arrived in our shop, and all things Lantau. Lantau Base Camp is a community shop and event organizer in Muo on Lantau Island. And now, onto your host, Martin Dukas. Welcome to the special version of the Lentau Basecamp podcast. It is different from the normal podcast we do, since it's mostly, or actually only, about the Hong Kong Four Trails, a challenging event set up here in Hong Kong by Andre Bloomberg, and we are a big fan. The challenge is about doing Hong Kong's four major trails backwards, from end to start. It is a low-key, extremely difficult event that requires a high level of hardship and endurance. Self-reliance and determination is the focus of the challenge. Participants will need to carry all gear, food, water, etc. and must therefore expect to carry a heavy pack. The last trail involved in the challenge is the Lentau Trail and start and ends at the Muo postbox very near our shop. Andre will join us this podcast, and it is interesting as you can almost hear his thoughts evolving during this podcast on how the next edition should be. It is recorded in two parts. We originally recorded this on Monday evening, the 4th of January 2016, which is around 84 hours into the challenge. Andre has been up most of the time since the start on Friday morning, 8 a.m., and is still waiting for more survivors to finish. So, you will get fresh opinions and impressions from a not-so-fresh challenge director. Unfortunately, we got interrupted by the finish of two survivors, and we had no chance to finalize the podcast there and then. So what happened is that we had another session over Skype on the Wednesday after. And interestingly, Andre's thoughts already progressed on what had happened during the challenge and how it should go next year. In this first part, we'll talk mostly in general about the approach and setup of the Four Trails Challenge, while in the second part we will talk more specifically about the participants as they went through the challenge and Andre's observations in regards to how people handled themselves on the trail and between the trails. Now, in order to introduce the audience to the phenomenon of the Hong Kong Four Trails Challenge, here with some first audio bites freshly taken at the finish of Tom Robertshaw, the fastest survivor, Jerry Chua, the fastest and only women survivor, and John Ellis, third place survivor. Didn't break 60. Very close. Uh, he didn't break 60. You will break 60. Try again. I knew it was going to be. Actually, in some ways, it was almost easier than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be massively hard. It was still really hard, but. How did it go? Not according to plan. She just finished the four trails. The first Holy one. Crap. Yeah. Starting Friday at eight. Yeah. 
It's gonna be a little tired by now. Yeah, totally. So, con congratulations, uh, Tom, for the uh, for the, uh, the finish. Uh, you barely missed the 60 hours. <laughs> when did you decide to uh, to do the four trails? Around a couple of months ago, I think. Yeah, I knew about it for. A, I've only been running for a couple of years, but I knew about it uh, for a year or so from the previous year. I checked the progress on Facebook and then decided to give it a shot this year. Great. See how I get on. So, did you do a lot of training for it, specific um, for the uh, course and so on? I do a lot of training in general, so and most of it is on the the four main trails of, uh, in Hong Kong. So I think I've got pretty good. Apart from getting lost a few times today, or yesterday, or the day before, I can't remember. Um, I think it's uh, I had good preparation for it. Yeah. And you ran pretty much everything solo, right? Yes, pretty much because I do all my training on my own, so I prefer to run on my own usually. But company is always good as well. Sometimes it perks you up. And, yeah. and what, what was the, uh, the highest high and the lowest low? Uh, uh, apart from the finish. Apart from the finish. Um, I think the highest high is just enjoying the trail. Yeah. I think there's so many beautiful different trails in Hong Kong. You just don't realize until you run them all. Um, and then I think some of the lowest lows maybe... I only slept around 30 minutes for the whole, whole race, which I was quite surprised about because usually sleep deprivation is a big issue. Um, But uh, I think some of the lows were just feeling like you're really sleepy. Just all of a sudden, catch waters, which aren't my favorite thing. Um, but I think the key with those is just to keep moving, keep going forward. Just jog it, even if your legs are killing you. Just try, and it will go a lot faster. In those 30 minutes, what, what, was it one go, or was it, was it phases, or small micro-sleeps, and five minutes here, five minutes there? Or? Just sitting down for five minutes or so. Um, yeah. And then... Um, Just recoup, eat something, constantly make sure I'm eating something. Actually, sure. that, one of those moments I just took a gel and then it yeah. seems like I came back to life. Right. So, yeah, often it's just you're low on calories or something like that. Sure. Yeah. Well, top job. Thank you. Tom, I'm, Thanks, I'm really Andre. proud of you. Yeah, it, was great, all, it was great following you. Great challenge. The, the, the few times I've seen you, you were always mentally very strong and focused. Congratulations. Well deserved. Thank you. Thanks so much, Andre. Thanks. Great. Do you know how, how far Chalkin was behind you? Any idea? Chalkin, uh, he, uh, he uh, was with me until Lantau Peak. Okay. Uh, I mean the bottom of Lantau Peak before yeah. the ascent. Yeah. I don't know sure. whether John caught up you, with him. You, you, didn't, you didn't look back, right? Yeah. <laughs> never look back. Only the trail backward, but never look back. So did you get out of it what you were expecting? Done. I don't know what I was expecting. I thought, well, I knew it was going to be, actually, in some ways it was almost easier than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be massively hard, it was still really hard, but just having so many people meeting you at checkpoints and so many, like, friendly faces, just bailing was not really an issue, except for when I was on my own at night. When <laughs> <laughs> it was raining. Yeah. And did you, did you sleep much? Lots of little power naps. Yeah, yeah, did those help? Yeah, like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. They really helped. You just woke up afterwards and felt so refreshed. I was doing a few of those as well. And yeah. You just seemed to, it really seemed to help. Perk up for at least a couple of hours. 
So originally your your strategy was to, to run reasonably quick and then have maybe two or three hours mm. continuously uh, continuous at, at night. That didn't work out, right? No, I, I, probably the strategy on the Mac wasn't the best. Kind of got caught in a group. Yeah. Then when you get caught in a group, then you know, there's six people that go into the checkpoint and someone has to get this and someone's forgotten that and just meant we, we stuffed around and lost a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. Careful. Oh, oh plus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what's the uh, the highlight and the low light other than the finish? I think the low lights were probably just the sleep deprivation. Yeah. It's just that was probably the hardest thing. Just to work through, so painful, just wouldn't go away. Thirty hours of sleep deprivation is not fun. Um, highlight, just just the support and just how much encouragement you know, just checking your phone just seeing how many people were following and and the well wishes it was just overawed by all of it right. and did you did you have hallucinations not really a couple of times I thought a tree was a dog or something like that but I looked again and the tree was a tree so it was actually not too bad so I think if I had a third night it might have been a bit different The other thing that I noticed was that, uh, well, is it part of a new resolution or was it just a one-off thing that you kept your shirt on for the entire event? Uh, I, just, <laughs> I just had a backpack, so didn't want to chafe, so I needed a layer of protection, unfortunately. Even the colors is still there. It's quite jellish. Wow, Joe Shua, congratulations. First ever female survivor Hong Kong Fortress Ultra Challenge. Um, 77 hours, 10 minutes. You look great. Thanks. <laughs> How did it go? Not according to plan. <laughs> as is the norm with these things, I think. Um, started off in a good space and rapidly went downhill. I think I misjudged my hydration and um, ended up peeing blood from halfway through my onwards. And uh, I think it was um, without my support crew, it would have been very tough. It would have been very tough to continue and, and finish. They sorted me out, new change in plan, you know, update everything. And yeah, got me going again. So when I see, saw you yesterday at uh, Wilson Trail Catch Water, you, you really looked like uh, you were in a rough patch. <laughs> what kept you from uh, continuing? What kept me from continuing? In general, why didn't you drop out? Oh, why didn't I drop out? Um, I think it's... It's been ingrained into me to just keep going, regardless of whether you think, uh, I'm thinking about dropping out, but you still keep moving forward. And um, that helps sometimes. You, sometimes you don't, ha you, don't, you don't need to think so much about it. You just do it. But it was also because I knew that I would see my crew somewhere along the way soon. Um, they would pop me up and... Uh, and 
whether or not I decided to, to call it quits, you know, there's, we could still finish something. You know, just take it one step at a time. Because there's always highs and lows, right? Talking about highs and lows, apart from the finish, uh, what do you think are your, what was your highest high and your lowest low? Oh, well, I, I can start with the lowest low. That was probably the start of the Hong Kong Trail. Um, actually, that was probably the highest high and the lowest low because at the end of Wilson, I managed to get three hours sleep and got up thinking, yes, I'm going to smash Hong Kong and we're back on track and let's go do this. And um, literally just getting onto the Hong Kong Trail from that little detour you have us take. Um, I was wiped out, completely wiped out after that. And uh, I spent the better part of six hours bouncing off walls, sliding down the slippery slopes and nearly stepping into drains and all sorts of things. My head was just all over the place. And um, yeah, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't move very far, very fast at all. So it went completely against the plan. So, so Jerry, you're obviously very, very experienced. You have a, a long list of ultra pedigrees. Uh, you've done some of the very hardest races in the world. How does the Hong Kong Fortress Ultra Challenge compare? It's definitely one of the very hardest races in the world. <laughs> um, I think the fact that you have it, you're self-supported on the trail. Um, I tried as far as possible. There may have been a few minor transgressions, um, but I really did try my best as far as possible to keep to the exact trail and the fact that I needed to be self-supported and carry whatever I needed, you know, or, or buy whatever I needed along the way. Um, and it's tough. You, you see people going past, say, Ultra Trail Time of Shan, and they're you know, bouncing along. Then you remember that they've had checkpoints every 10Ks, maybe, um, you know, food, water, um, encouragement. Uh, and I never realized how much I would need to rely on crew. Uh, I've always, uh, I like... I like doing races on my own and then now I realize that, you know, without people with you, without that energy, sometimes it's so difficult and it takes so much more and I've really had to dig deep this time, very deep. Well, Jerry, uh, congratulations once again. First ever female to survive the uh, challenge. I hope you uh, take a well-deserved uh, rest and break and uh, some good recovery. All the best. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. I have a lion tomorrow. <laughs> We're sitting here in Muwo and it's what's now today? It's Monday and You've been here, Andre, you've been here for a while. I think, did you expect to be still here on Friday? Well, I, uh, uh, I'm in Muivo because we still have the uh, Hong Kong Fortress Ultra Challenge uh, going on. We still have a few people uh, on the course. Um, and um, no, the, the short answer is I didn't expect still to be here. And... Um, it's interesting how the 
challenges evolve compared to previous years. So for those people not familiar with it, uh, it's, it's not a race uh, in an organized sense. It's just a challenge where people can show up on the day and uh, basically run the four long distance trails here in Hong Kong. And uh, the interesting thing is you never really know who will show up and nobody needs to register and you, you come on the day and usually we have four, five, six people that show up and so let's, let's have some fun and let's enjoy the uh, the New Year's days and the, the long weekend and um, this year we had 23 people showing up. 23 people? 23 people, including four female and we got a couple of uh, nationalities. We had uh, a big uh, contingent over from Singapore. We had a large team from... Thailand here, we had uh, obviously a few locals, um, so that was quite surprising actually, I didn't I didn't expect that. And who, who was your biggest surprise that showed up that you thought, hey, what's he doing here, or what's she doing here? Uh, two, um, one was Vic So, yeah. um, Vic has been uh, doing the race uh, in 2014 and he was the only one who survived it. And he's been very, very supportive ever since to the challenge. And uh, last year he uh, he ran with a lot of people and he put a huge amount of mileage in. He might as well have sort of um, signed up himself. <laughs> and then all of a sudden on uh, 1st of January, on, on Friday last week, uh, quarter to eight, Vic shows up. And uh, I thought, oh, it's, it's great to see Vic here. And he's continuing to give support to the event and he's probably just uh, picking up some support bags for someone who's running and then uh, ducks out again and goes back into bed to sleep off his hangover but lo and behold uh, he's there to to join <laughs> so that was really surprising the other surprise was um, a uh, a um, very quiet and humble uh, person uh, called Tom and <clears throat> Tom and I never had met in person, he uh, he friended me on uh, befriended me on Facebook early December. I heard about his name before, Tom Robertshaw, um, and uh, I had seen his name pop up in a couple of the local race results and so on. And uh, um, I said, "Oh, you you want to join?" He said, "Yeah, I, I'd like to join." I said, oh, "Great." So, um, but uh, I didn't really know much about him, and then as the challenge evolves over the next several days um, actually it didn't take that long it was just for the next two hours Tom was way out in front and he never really looked back and he uh, he was the first to uh, to cross the uh, finish line as they say and kiss the uh, green post box in Moivo yeah now we know Tom because he's quite a regular in our, in our races uh, he was fourth in uh, Lanta 70 and um You've seen you've seen him in um, one six eight. Right? Yeah, I left two years ago in the one six eight. He w he was third, and this past in this past November he was second. Yeah. So he just did a hundred mile in no this no past November. And yeah, and if you if you look at his uh, his his reason be short and and he's 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 not very he's very compact. So uh, he 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 would the the immediate perception would be well he's he's a fast kid and he uh, he probably excels at the twenty thirty forty k sort of distance. So the KOTH type of ideal profile, but uh, I didn't know at the time when I saw him uh, that he had quite a race pedigree already in terms of, as you say, uh, run up at HK168 and then, and then uh, respectable, I think, nine and a half odd hours 
uh, once around Lantau Trail. So, uh, yeah, that was sort of the uh, the key surprise really of the event. Um, yeah. Was there anybody you had really expected and didn't show up? Don't need to mention names, but just wondering. Uh, no, this year we didn't. Uh, in previous years, we often had this <clears throat> excitement leading up to the challenge, and then um, a lot of people sort of are very trigger friendly on Facebook and I say yes 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 I join and come but then uh, uh, eventually don't show up on the day so this year was different actually we've seen more people come than expected and uh, we knew of people uh, that wanted to come originally but then couldn't join due to injury and other things but uh, that, that told us um, so um, we've had a few um, repeat offenders as well um, we've had Janelle from Singapore join us. Janelle really has been sort of living and breathing this event. She's been coming over to Hong Kong very regularly. Uh, she's probably popped by here at the store uh, several times and it's a familiar face. Yeah. Uh, we've had um, Jack from uh, the Philippines based in Thailand come back again. He was the sole uh, survivor last year. And um, I mentioned Vic already. Chokin came as well. Uh, Chakin and I did the challenge back in 2013 when it still had a slightly different format and it was still the, uh, the distinct three-day format and he, uh, he was the first one to, to finish it uh, back then, uh, three years ago and uh, yeah. so that was, uh, was good. But there were also a couple of faces that I had seen but I didn't know their names uh, and I was quite pleased in particular that we had a couple of people from the Hong Kong trail scene as well, because traditionally, for for one reason or another, locals sort of skirted around the challenge, and maybe it was because they said, "Well, this is actually quite hard." Yes, and the, <laughs> pretty sure that that's the reason. Yeah. So, uh, so the uh, the the apology of ignorance is bliss couldn't apply, and uh, but this year it was was quite good. So we had uh, Taurus uh, join us, and uh, we had. Um, uh, Joe Chow and Weil uh, Choi, um, the last two actually still out on out on the course as as we speak. So I hope they're coming in the next hour or so. Um, so overall, very very happy with it. Uh, it went well. Yeah, because originally when you set up set it up, or when it kind of evolved, you set it up as a very low key, you know, self supported, not a race type of thing, and it has had a surge in popularity shown by the numbers of starters and also shown by the numbers of following on your Facebook and the comments and the likes and how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, I set it up because I, I did want it to be different from, from other events and races and so on. So it is not a race, it is a challenge. It's, it's something that I, uh, I'm quite passionate about because it reflects a type of activity or event or challenge that I sort of like as a sweet spot for myself um, and I've done it twice in the first two years and uh, it is certainly a boutique and a niche activity if you look at anything else that is on the on the calendar in Hong Kong in the region and in the world so um, it's been uh, been interesting to see how uh, uh, it has evolved and it has really sort of exploded uh, four or five-fold this year in terms of number of participants um, it's a bit too early to tell what to make of it, um, but it was surprising and it also showed me over the weekend that um, it's actually 
probably getting too big. And that may sound a bit strange. You say, well, you should be happier and more people, more fun and so on. Yeah, that's true. But uh, with size also then comes complexity. And complexity increases exponentially uh, looking at the number of participants and support and crew and so on. So we've also seen quite a bipolar sort of field of participants. We've had some very fast people. We've had also some people who uh, just looked more at the, the aspect of the challenge and said, well, I, I don't really care about whether I come last. I just want to do it. And I don't really care about how many hours, how many days I take. And I, I, I appreciate that. And that's somewhat part of the challenge as well. It's not really about placing and and time, but really going through that. And it's 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 about the journey, as I say. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, the challenge, however, is that if you have a field that is so diverse and spreads out so much, it's pretty hard to, uh, to manage and so on. So I've been it's been going now for 85 hours and counting, and uh, I haven't had much sleep myself. Um, obviously, uh, uh, you you are keen to see what's happening and so on. You get a lot of messages and texts and calls and so on from people that want to get updates and want to know where people are and so on. So I need to think about going forward um, what changes I will probably need to make. I don't want to introduce a rule book. I don't want to make it a commercial exercise. Uh, it should it should retain the character that it has today, and has had in the past. But I probably got to tighten it a little bit. And if if any of your listeners have have some ideas, I'd be uh, very keen and and interested to hear. One thing that I may consider is to put a a cut of time for the first trail. So in the current format, the McLehose starts, and then if you say, well, if you can't finish the McLehose in let's say just to pick a number 20 hours or 24 hours and maybe this event is not the right one for you at this stage yeah um, because we've seen that also a lot of the drops happened in, in mac um, so currently there are no cutoffs um, but actually a lot of people dropped on mac which showed me that they maybe liked the format of the event or the the background or the idea of the event but then maybe underestimated how, how difficult it is. Yeah. Yeah, and, and with the evolving nature of the event, you also have a little bit of an evolving nature of how people participate in the event. Um, you were very strict, self-supported, nobody ahead of me, don't want anyone around almost. And some participants this year followed that rule pretty to the letter, um, but others have built up a bit of a crew, extra support. Are you, uh, what's your thought about that part of the, of the evolving? Yeah, that's 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 a very good uh, observation. And um, you know, Martin, it's it's easy to come up with rules. It's often very difficult to enforce them. And even if you just have simple rules like do not litter, or you get disqualified, well, if you don't have cameras or marshals along the course and it's difficult to enforce um, so I I've always refrained from making too many rules and, and there are some rules obviously it's a challenge it's uh, at the end of the day I think the event has the um, the spirit or the uh, the the ambition to really appeal to someone who who doesn't want to cheat the system or doesn't want to 
do it uh, through means that are providing advantage over others. Um, I, I'm, I'm okay with it if people have, have friends join, um, and um, I think it's, it, it's it's great to get people out on the trail, um, and it's it's good to to get other people as well to experience what it is like for those that actually enter these events and challenges and without doing it themselves because you, you learn a lot from it. Yeah. And I've I've crewed for people before, I've paced people before, and I always learn something every single time. And that's great. And you, you take something away from it. You you crew and then you see other crews and you're waiting at an aid station and you see a certain setup and you have another crew that has a quick turnaround and they say, Oh that's a good idea actually. I should have thought about that and apply that next time. So that's 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 all good stuff. Um for me personally, um, if I would do the challenge again, I would do it completely self-supported, uh, no pacers. Obviously, between the, the trails, you need you need crew, uh, and I would really put a lot of thinking time into absolutely optimizing that and taking any any slack out of that from a timing perspective. So I would want to have a a van waiting for me, and I would finish one trail, get on the van eat while driving, sleep while driving to the next uh, uh, location. And then if I want to sleep some more, just stay in the van and then get out and, and get going. Because you can make or lose a lot of time with that. And that's, again, one of the things in the challenge. It's not just about running, but you need to think about the logistics as well and um, and so on. But uh, you mentioned earlier that different people had different approaches in this year, and that's, that's a good observation. And the... Um, the key one that really impressed me very much is actually the person who uh, uh, came in uh, uh, first, which is Tom Robertshaw. And um, he really impressed me for many different reasons. He's a very humble guy. He's very quiet, reserved, doesn't boast around, uh, but he bloody delivers. He is very fit. Um, he is he's always been very mentally alert so I've seen him three four times during the challenge and uh, he's always been spot on he's always been mentally alert he always knew what's going on uh, he only went off course once or twice and uh, and uh, he uh, uh, also mostly for probably 95 percent didn't have anyone with him yeah and he really followed that approach in terms of uh, self-sufficiency. And uh, he, I think he had someone with him on short section of Wilson on Hong Kong Island. And his crew actually texted me in advance and asked me three times, is this okay? Is this okay? Are you really sure? We don't want to break any rules. I said, yeah, it's fine. They, they will only run behind him. They're not, they're not leading him or not showing the course. It's fine. And every time he saw me, he, he was a little bit afraid. And I said, Why, what's going on? Did I do something wrong? Is everything okay? <laughs> I said, cool down, chill. <laughs> everything is fine. I'm just, just seeing how you are. And he, he really, he really uh, impressed me. And, and I really liked that because he had a very, very similar approach to it than my approach of initially setting up the challenge. So, and that was good. So, yeah, um, yeah some people have crew. Some people have people with them. Some people maybe getting food along the way um that's okay i mean i, I can't i can't 
it's, it's not a formal race, so it's not yeah. a disqualification, right? And I, I was at thinking the end, that in the end, it, it is a challenge, and people can fill it in. Correct. The way that's they right. Like, that's right? right. Yeah, and 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 some people may say, well, I really want to bend the uh, context a bit, and and for me, it's just about the fastest time to do it all. And that's fine. Uh, for me, it's a bit different, um, but. Um, uh, everybody makes out of it what they like. Uh, at the end of the day, my view is that it's not so much about comparing yourself with others or about the time, but at the end of the day, you need to be happy with what you've done. Yeah. So you need to live with that, right? And I know for myself, I would be feeling that if I have a pacer, then that is an advantage over doing it alone because a pacer may guide you. If you do an event for 60, 70, 80 hours, Sleep deprivation, hallucinations are a major issues. So having a pacer, in my personal view, is a huge advantage because the pacer can help you to not get off course um, and keep you entertained and, and awake and other, and other things. But different people have different ways of dealing with sleep deprivation uh, and have different different views. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong. There's no right or wrong in this, yeah. right? It's uh, just different opinions. Yeah, I'd say maybe you you're not ready for... To go that extreme, but you still want to finish the distance, and then that's yeah. that's your your way of filling in the challenge, I think. Didn't break sixty. Very close. <laughs> he didn't break sixty. Try again. I it was gonna be actually. In some ways, it was almost easier than I thought it would be. I thought it was going to be massively hard, it was still really hard, but... How did it go? Not according to plan. Pretty good. She just finished the four trails. The first Holy one crap! Was, yeah, started Friday at 8. Yeah. <laughs> going to be a little tired by now. Yeah, totally. Thank you for listening to the Lantau Basecamp podcast. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to drop us an email at lantowbasecamp at gmail.com. And you can always, any time of the day, browse our online shop at www.lantowbasecamp.com and shop for your favorite trail running gear. Or come by in person, visit the shop in Milwo, located close to the ferry pier opposite the Fusion Supermarket. Stay tuned for the next Lantow Basecamp podcast.